0: Hello and welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I'm your host, John S. Today we'll be speaking with John H. from the DC We Agnostics group. We'll be talking a little bit about his story, about agnostic AA, his view of atheism, and his article, The Myth of the Angry Atheist. I hope you enjoy. All right, well, John, uh, it's nice to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this. Um, I, I'm not sure if I met you in Santa Monica, but I know I met some of some people from DC. Right. I think I met Barry. Right. Uh, do you recall if, if we met there? I,
1: I, you know what? I, I was talking to so many people. I, you know, I remember your presentations, but you know, it was all sort of a blur. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, I, it, it's quite possible, but. In any event, I think we all took away uh, um, an enormous kind of lift that we got, even though the, some, a lot of us, like yourself and myself, been around for a long, long time. I think that the event itself gave us a real boost. I think we yeah. can all agree on that, whether we talked about it there or not.
0: Yeah, and what was ironic is when I came back from the convention... Uh, There's a a gentleman who goes to our meetings here in Kansas City who happens to work in DC once one week a month and goes to your group. Yeah, and
1: he's my good buddy uh, Greg O. And I see that's right. I see him. I just saw him the other day. He's a he's a wonderful guy, and um, you know he's done you know great service himself in the just a few years he's been around. You know, so it it just it just shows uh, how we have you know synergy not just with us old timers. But uh, for people that are new to sobriety, and that's what the yeah. that's the part that's most exciting to me.
0: Um, well, I love Greg. He uh, when he came into our group, and he was he came in pretty early, and um, he said, uh, "Yeah, I go to the We Agnostics meeting in, in D.C." And I was so excited because right. it's like, "Oh, great! Someone who knows what they're doing, <laughs> right? <laughs> knows how to be an right. agnostic right. Right. Well, atheist well, today." At we've
1: been we we hope that we know what we're doing. I mean, it's we we just had our. 27th anniversary in September, and um, you know, as I say in the group history that I that I wrote, which you've probably seen, you know, the the uh, our, even though our founders passed away some years ago, um, you know, the hope that they had for the group in terms of its functionality and utility to people in our situation, it's still there, and you know, yeah. that's a it's a it's a great thing you know yeah. that's one of the great things about aa is he, even though we don't believe in an afterlife you know folks like us do live on in what we leave behind in the program and that yeah. that's a, a like a driving force uh, for me now that i've got my uh uh unfortunately have my medicare card in my pocket <laughs> that was a real shock but yeah. uh you know uh, as we move along we understand that we're not going to be here forever and, you know, what we leave behind us uh, in terms of our contributions to the program are extremely important.
0: I agree. I agree with that. Well, um, I like to start these conversations a lot with just learning a little bit about the person. Um, would you would you like to kind of go into your story a little bit I'll, about I'll, you know, a little
1: bit? I'll give you the, I, I I was uh, um, I, I was a uh, devoted drinker from age 15. Uh, until age 38. But unlike some of us who uh, believe that they have a genetic component to their alcoholism, and uh, there are no alcoholics in my family other than me. So I believe that I got addicted to alcohol in my college years sitting on a bar stool in Putney, Vermont. And by the time I graduated from college in 1972, and headed back to Washington, uh, I was uh, thoroughly and totally addicted to alcohol, and in complete and utter denial of the uh, influence it had over my life. Um, without going into a lot of the gruesome details, you know, suffice it to say, uh, there was a you know an inappropriate marriage, a lost graduate school career and a lot of other things early on a couple of encounters with doctors um, fortunately no encounters with officers of the law that's one <laughs> thing i don't have in my resume is any uh... Um, any uh, legal issues um, but i certainly had a lot of uh, uh... evidence so that about the time i was about twenty five or twenty six years old i should have known what i was doing and i'll tell one brief war story and uh you know continue on to the to the end of my drinking and the uh, my entry into aa um around about age you know late late in my 25th year i had a kind of disastrous evening uh one evening with a young lady that uh became my first wife and um I was living, uh, you know, far below my so-called educational level in a really crummy apartment on Connecticut Avenue in uh, northwest Washington, D.C. that was catty-cornered across the street from my favorite bar, the Admiral Benbow. I distinctly remember waking up out of a blackout one night, and uh, I had one thing in my apartment that was worth something other than my books. And that was my bar. I had a really excellent mm-hmm. bar. I had a wonderful bar, all kinds of great top shelf stuff. And I came out of a blackout and I was pouring every drop down the drain, right? There are all these bottles lying around in this little kitchen area in this crummy apartment I was in. And I was saying to myself over and over again, coming out of the blackout, you have to stop, you have to stop, you have to stop. Wow. And the abiding mystery to me in my alcoholism is that I drank after that night. I drank for another thirteen years, wow. and that still mystifies me. So I, I'm I'm not a genetic alcoholic, but I'm very aware of the great power of uh, of alcoholism and uh, the tremendous. I had a lot of knowledge about what I should be doing as regards my alcoholism, but didn't take it, didn't take that knowledge and use it until I was 30 years old, 38 years old, and at death's door. And unlike some of us, by that time, I somehow or another, uh, even though I was a, a a weekend drinker, I wasn't a morning drinker or a, a weekday drink. I was a weekend binger, um, and I managed to get myself into a pretty good career and I was living in a pretty nice place. Um, but the first marriage was gone, uh, um, live in relationship for a few years, uh, after that with, uh, with a, with a very, very nice woman was gone. And I was in my pretty nice apartment, uh, and still in downtown Washington, uh, basically at death's door. And, um, uh, I was so ego driven that I knew that I wasn't going to uh, uh, survive being on the street or losing my job or uh, excuse the expression, but you know I, I show my age sometimes uh, by using some of the, some expressions, so I apologize. Going to the nut house or any of those other sorts of things, that I was going to kill myself. I was either, yeah. you know, that was it. I mean, either gonna, you know, stop drinking and improve my life or kill myself. And I still don't know why, but for some reason, I picked up the phone and called the desk in DC at the uh, Washington area intergroup office. I called the desk and a very nice old gentleman uh, directed me to a kind of uh, terrible meeting uh, called Midtown. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went. And I went to Midtown and sitting at the bottom of the stairs, as a gentleman who's now uh, no longer with us, this is in uh, January the 3rd, 1987, there's this old gentleman sitting at the bottom of the stairs who I used to drink with in my favorite bar, the Admiral Benbow. I hadn't seen him around for a few years, but he was a defrocked Episcopal priest by the name of Brother John. I I won't go into the details of him being defrocked, but (laughs) suffice it to say there was sufficient reason for them to defrock him. And um, I don't know if I can use profanity on this. You can. We're actually explicit. I I can. can. (laughs) Okay, great. All right. Well, I came down, I'm coming down the stairs, and I see Brother John. He had this long white beard. He looked like effing fucking Santa Claus. (laughs) And he looked at me, and he said, very clearly, he said, "You know, John, what took you? What, what the fuck took you such a long time to get down here?" <laughs> and I looked around that room, and this was this giant meeting that subsequently became a big scandal—a place called Midtown. I won't
0: go into it. Uh, you can—I think I've heard about that. You can
1: Google DC Midtown. Yeah, Washington mm-hmm. DC Midtown. There was an incredible scandal that ensued there some years later. Yeah, but uh, and it it really wasn't a place for me. I mean, even mm-hmm. though I was smoking two packs of Luckies a day at that time, the the uh, which I think you might hear in my voice today, the uh, the uh, uh, room was so filled with smoke, even I couldn't stand it. I mean, yeah, that's an old timers meeting, right? If you remember when the rooms I do were, remember oh, the
0: smoke, God, oh, the good smoke, lord, God, it was
1: ghastly. And, uh, you know, and there were all these young people, people younger than me around, and uh, there was a a lot of stuff I didn't relate to, but I immediately related to my old friend, Brother John, and that set me on the path of finding the the noon meeting in downtown Washington uh, called BYOL, and there are two meetings called BYOL, and I go to what's still called, uh, crazily enough, it's still called BYOL non-smokers, and that goes Mm. back, you know to the days when the meeting split over smoking. They they got another room. And, um, uh, you know, I I, I went to that meeting, and, you know, despite hearing a lot of things that I didn't like, I uh, was very lucky that I heard a lot of things that I did like. And even though I was a self-identified atheist, which I have been since age 12... I didn't see a lot of pejorative or hear a lot of pejorative remarks, or um, uh, a lot of dissatisfaction with who and what I was. I heard a lot of joy in the room of pe- from people that were sober themselves, and I heard a lot of people supporting me in my desire to stay sober one day at a time as a person, one on one. And it was a it was a great experience.
0: But, yeah, that you're you're describing my story there, John. Yeah. Too, I exactly the same damn thing. I was I was uh, gonna jump off a bridge, and instead uh, went home, called the the KC Central office. A guy directed me to a meeting. Went to that meeting. You know, just just identical, really, to what what you're describing. Exactly,
1: exactly. But inevitably, you know, if you sit in these conventional meetings long enough, sooner mm. or later, and I've written about this in some of the stuff I've written for agnostica in the Mm past. You know, sooner or later, you're going to discover that, that there are the the code words and the, uh, you know, and the subtle innuendos and the other, uh, you know, uh, stuff like fake it till you make it, uh, you know, uh, things like the chapter to the agnostic in the big book. And worst of all, for me, in my early days, was this thing called... How it works, it was. Yes, it was you know, even though we didn't read it at my noon meeting, I went to a meeting every day and mm-hmm. I would go to a meeting in a Catholic church on Sunday nights in '87 uh, and '88 and uh, probably mm-hmm. into '89, I went to that meeting. And they would even though it was a very high demographic, very much of a downtown DC type meeting with you know mostly professional people in the room. They would, they would end. They would begin the meeting with a with a recitation of how it works,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they would all recite in unison. It was like Jonestown. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, uh, would or could if he were thought. You know, and, yeah. And, and I was the only one in the room not saying that. And I would just look. I would just freeze. My blood would run cold.
0: Let's talk about that for a little bit cuz you know this is where and you and I have talked about this before cuz we are a little bit different and that you've been a you've been a lifelong atheist yes. is that right Since age okay. 12
1: that's a story Okay uh, yeah.
0: and I have not so I came into AA and I kind of bought the party line you didn't quite. You you. So tell me about how did you feel as an atheist when you you started seeing what was going well, on? Well,
1: you know, as I said, I was very lucky going to this noon meeting. At, you know, on you know at the at the time it was on Rhode Island Avenue, just off Connecticut in downtown D.C. The 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 people were really open, right? But mm-hmm. there was always this coded sort of thing where. You know, and then every once in a while, somebody would come up to me and, you know, lovingly grab me by the arm and say something like, Oh, I just know that sooner or later you'll get it. Just keep
0: coming yes. back.
1: All right. And I would say, horse shit. I'm never going to get this. And, yeah. and I believe it contributed to my one close. I've, I've been very lucky. I haven't had a slip since the day I came in, yeah. but the one day I felt close to having a slip, um, which was in it would have had to have been in the summer of '88, and uh, I had about 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, I came very close to going. My favorite bar had been closed, but uh, there was another place that was nearby. Uh, my favorite bar called the Child Herald. I came very close to leaving my office and going to the Child Herald and ordering my favorite starting point, which was, uh, uh you know, a double Jack Daniels. And a Heineken back, right? And I mm-hmm. knew exactly what I was going to do, and I'm still very, very grateful that, again, for some accountable, unaccountable reason, instead of going to the Child Herald, I went to uh, a 5:30 uh, after work meeting that that I knew about that some friends of mine went to, and you know, uh, but I was close. I was close, and I, I I think that part of the part of the reason I was close is I was feeling far away from the program. Um, And that's why when in September of that year, uh, Maxine B. and Tom J. put an ad in the new reporter, which is the local AA newsletter, saying that there was a a meeting that was forming for atheists and agnostics
0: that was
1: going to meet in Maxine's apartment in a beautiful place called the Broadmoor at mm-hmm. Connecticut and Porter, a beautiful pre-war uh, apartment built, gorgeous place. Mm-hmm. And she had that first meeting in her apartment in September uh, of 88. And maybe there were eight or ten of us that showed up at that first meeting. And uh, I just, uh, I breathed a sigh of relief.
0: Interesting. Wow. Cause, Interesting. Uh, so you you were going to all these meetings. You were going to the meetings. You had how it works. You people, right. the, all that kind of crap. Right. People telling you to get it, you know, and now you you get the relief of of an agnostic AA meeting right. that would have been an interesting I don't know with me um i I wasn't religious, but um I prayed with them i I tried to rationalize things in my mind saying okay i'll I'll do this stuff thinking of some psychological benefit um and I had to put up with it for twenty six years I
1: know about the peer pressure I mean in, yeah. in the early days at my noon meeting I would uh actually say the Lord's Prayer at the end of the meeting with
0: them yep. Yep. and
1: uh, as a self-identified atheist. And I'll, I, I don't remember this guy. I don't He wasn't around very much. But he was a young guy, and he was younger than me, and he was a believer. And this young guy came up to me after the meeting once, did me such a great favor. He asked me very clearly, he says, you're an atheist. Why are you saying the Lord's Prayer along with everyone else? And I said to hmm. myself, shit. Why am I saying the Lord's Prayer? And this guy did me a great... I never, from, from that day, never once recited the Lord's Prayer. And that was wow. uh, more than 25 years ago. So, um, you know... Uh,
0: and, and, you know, that's that's a, that, that Lord's Prayer, um, people in AA, they don't understand um, how difficult that is for a lot of people. I went to a traditional meeting last night that closed with the Lord's Prayer, and... Um, you know, I, I went ahead and held hands with them, but I didn't. I didn't say the words. But um, good lord, if the, if they only knew the number of people they're driving away when a, when they have to stand and hold hands and say that prayer. Well, it, you know,
1: <laughs> they're they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth. Okay. Yeah. They say they're quote unquote spiritual, not religious, and yeah. then they end a meeting with something directly as a core. Out of the Bible. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those nauseating disconnects that regular members of AA just don't understand, or a lot of them don't just.
0: You know, I have a friend online, I think he's from Texas, Mark C., and he, um, you know, of course, you know he's in Texas, like in Missouri. It's it's going to be like Bible Belt type country, and they their their meetings will end with the Lord's prayer. Well, he is one who started sitting it out. He would he would stay in the room, but he would sit in his chair. And what he had, what, and he did this over and over. And other people started joining him. And now he says that these particular meetings he'll go to, there might maybe half the room might sit the prayer out. Well, it, and, and I it, that's it, really it interesting. Goes. I mean,
1: just this last year, I me- remember I told you this new meeting I've been going through, going to since eighty-seven. Just, the, it, it, no, it was, it was early this year. Just early this year, January, February of this year. A. Uh, sort of a Buddhist-type guy, called the group conscience at our noon meeting. And they have been saying the Lord's Prayer every day for, you know, decades, right? He called mm-hmm. the group conscience, it was voted on, and the Lord's Prayer is out.
0: Wow. It's just a serenity yeah. prayer
1: now. So and I think it, I
0: think in the on the east coast that's probably more um prevalent like I w- I, w- I went to a meeting in New York City uh f- last month I guess mm-hmm. and they cl- it was a great meeting by the way um and and they closed with the serenity prayer they they were holding hands and everything but boy what a great meeting it was the meeting itself the content of the meeting you would have thought you were at an agnostic aa meeting wow. there wasn't really any dogma or anything like that it was just people talking about their experience and it was a great meeting. I loved it. But uh, they, they did pray, but they just didn't do the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> well, so. it,
1: you know, we, we, we modify our behavior by learning from others. Yes, yeah. You know, and, you know, very thankfully for a lot of us, we managed to avoid the hocus pocus that would eventually get us drunk and focus on that fact that it's the fellowship, yeah. that it's the... the 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 strange thing called identification um, that it's the slow progression through AA life, learning from your fellow members that really gets you through.
0: Exactly, but you know, there's always been this divide in AA from the very beginning: the Akron AA and the New York AA. Oh, yeah. So the the Doctor Bob folks were, I, I, and I'm in Doctor Bob country. They trust God, clean house, work with others. And then you got the Bill W New York folks who say, what is it? Don't drink, go to meetings and work with others.
1: And, and it continues.
0: This yeah, guy, sure Wally is. P
1: that started back to basics, he got he claims in his talks, if you, you've got to hear a hero, everybody in our wing should listen to Wally P. Mm-hmm. at least once. But in his talk, he talks about the the hand of God literally showed him the way to start Back to, back to Basics inside Dr. Bob's house, mm-hmm. that he was shown and guided by the original uh, descendants of Dr. Bob mm-hmm. to start the Back to Basics movement. This is a kind of crazy American Taliban stuff that's, that, that's current out there. Yeah, and people believe it. It's just yeah. Yeah, I, everyone in our. If you want to get energized about atheist, agnostic, AA, listen to Wally P sometime. I yeah, I, I'm
0: going to have to do that. I've, I've I've listened to some of the hardcore back to basic stuff on the internet, and it's it's kind of it is kind of yeah. Well, good, you know, man.
1: just punching. You, you can get his talks on YouTube. Just punch a Wally P back to basics, yeah. and all this craziness will pop up.
0: I have to say, one good thing about where I live, this part of the country, is people pretty much let each other do their own thing. They, they, it's not, it's not real confrontational. But on the other hand, if I were to kind of push a little bit more, you know, if I were to go to their meetings and sit out the Lord's prayer and that kind of thing, oh man, I, I'm afraid that I'm afraid it would be. I'd have more of a difficult road. Well, so, you,
1: you know, <laughs> the example I, you know, I encountered some things at atheist agnostic meetings, and I encountered some things out in Santa Monica that were very perplexing to me yeah. in terms of believers coming to our meetings. And, you know, yeah. I've often put it this way uh, and, and, and told people that, you know, what with, with, uh, Catholic retreats are very popular here in the D.C. Mm-hmm. area. And they've got them at all kind up at Father Martin's and all kinds of other places around here, and you know basically they're Roman Catholic AA retreats, right? Mm -hmm. What possible use would I be at a Roman Catholic AA retreat? Even worse, what would I possibly do being a speaker there? All right,
0: exactly. And you talk about the convention. Yeah, I mean, why we had we
1: had this reverend out at out in Santa Monica who's yeah. a, a, a liberal reverend. but you know, that's like me going to uh, a, a Roman Catholic retreat. It doesn't make the any
0: sense. The one thing though in his defense, and I and I like to speak, he, he was a trustee. He was a non alcoholic trustee, a right. former Okay, well that trustees.
1: that's fine, you know, but but that's them and we yeah. are us. Right. And I, I tend to I, I we are AA, but we are also us. Right um, now,
0: the meetings themselves, though, I want to clarify, because you, you know, at the DC meeting, they're not all atheists or agnostics. No, agnostic. no, no. Well, okay, we, right. we
1: have, I'd say, about eighty. If I were to do a, a, we may actually do a real head count someday, but if I mm-hmm. were just to guess, I would say about uh, seventy or eighty percent of us are uh, uh, atheists.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, another percent are agnostic. Mm-hmm. And then occasionally we get people of indeterminate belief mm-hmm. and or Buddhist belief right, and everybody is welcome, and everybody is and we've had people come to our meeting i mean mm-hmm. we had somebody come to our meeting and talk about the steps, which is something yeah. I never heard at our meeting
0: yeah. But and know, we talk we we and every group we do talk about the yeah, steps we never, I,
1: I, no I heard of it for the first time and you know, since uh, 1988, this year I heard somebody come in and lead on the steps, and I was yeah. I was sort of surprised, but I didn't walk out and I didn't yell at them and tell them they couldn't yeah. do it or know that they were perfectly, you know, uh, you know, perfectly capable and open and
0: able. The to- thing about yeah. our meetings that people I don't quite understand. We, we are special purpose AA meetings, just like uh, the gay meetings or an all-men's meeting or a women's Absolutely. meeting or a meeting for medical professionals, all that kind of stuff. So we don't ever exclude anybody, but we, we are definitely meeting because we need a place where we can go and be ourselves and, right. and, and, and connect with other people. So we've had this issue in Kansas City where we've had believers come to our meetings, and they're totally welcome. We love to have them there. But they're going to hear things at that meeting that they won't hear at other meetings. Well, and I tell you what, some of them don't like what they hear, and, and I think we've chased a lot of them away. Yeah. Well, but-
1: John, John, here's the deal, okay? Here in D.C., and it's probably, it's, you know, pro- probably to our not to our credit, but you know, here in D.C., there are three atheist agnostic meetings. There's the Mothership, which I'm a member of. Uh, you know, in, in D.C., which meets at the Hill Center um, uh, every Sunday at 11 o'clock, which is very, and the reason I'm giving the location, in case anybody's listening, and they're in D.C., we're at the Hill Center on Pennsylvania Avenue, very near the Eastern Market Metro stop uh, mm-hmm. up on Capitol Hill, and there's one out here in Bethesda um, uh, during the week, and there's one at a club over in Northern Virginia. That's mm-hmm. three meetings, Okay. There are over mm-hmm. twelve hundred meetings listed in the intergroup website and publications mm-hmm. in DC. So that's... there's three for us and twelve hundred for them.
0: Right? Exactly. And that's, and that's the some... rub. That's
1: mm-hmm. the rub. Okay.
0: Absolutely. And and that's the thing here that I tell people because you know we we all want to be welcoming because I've had, we've had this conversation in our group before It's like, gosh, we seem to be driving off the believers. We need to be more tolerant of believers. And that. I say, well, yeah. Well, I say, listen. You know, it's like if you go to an AA if you go to a gay group and you hear somebody talk about their relationship with a same sex partner or whatever, don't be shocked, okay? Because you're at a group for and the same thing if you're if you're a believer and you go to an agnostic AA meeting, don't be shocked if somebody tells you that they don't think God has anything to do with the steps. You know, don't don't be shocked. But, you know, that's the thing, is I guess people don't quite get that. So so
1: let me tell you something. Okay, I was writing an article about back to basics. There's a back to basics meeting here in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, that meets once a week and a very well attended meeting. And I went to that meeting, and much to my chagrin, okay, I said, "Oh, they really fixed me. Maybe God knew I was coming." They were. They were. The meeting was on the first step, which is a bedrock mm-hmm. of my conviction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first step, right? Yep. And. Uh, I said something very nice when it was, and they, they came around, they saw I was a newcomer, I got to share, and I said something very nice about the meeting, uh, but I did identify myself um, as a atheist member of We Agnostics uh, uh, Sunday group. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I didn't make any other comments about the content of Back to Basics. After the meeting, right, I, and I identified myself as somebody who'd been, you know, Sober over uh, over 28 years. And after the meeting, I could have been uh, a pane of glass. If people were looking right at me as if I were transparent. No expression. Yeah. No how do you do. Yeah. No nothing. It was really extraordinary. It was I've experienced
0: it, that a couple of times yeah, too. It
1: was as if I had gone into one of their churches and desecrated yeah. one of their little <laughs> things they have in there.
0: I, yeah, I've experienced that too. You know,
1: and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't at a church service. I was at an AA meeting, and that yeah. really—we've uh, never done that at our atheist agnostic meeting. No, to same
0: here. Anyone, no matter exactly,
1: believe. We occasionally have these church ladies from the central office in DC come uh-huh. and sit in the back and check us out.
0: Yeah. that happens
1: from time to time. I you know, sure, and we're always. We could not be more welcoming and open and friendly to them, right? I did not experience that same warmth when I showed up at a Back to Basics meeting, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I've had that experience before. I I, I went to a meeting in a rural area of Missouri, and it's not to say that rural areas are any different, but... Um, it was a meeting where everybody was um, basically correcting everything I had to say. And then and after the meeting, they pissed me off so bad. I didn't join hands with them yeah, in the Lord's Prayer. But, and but they, they had nothing to do with yeah, me after the meeting.
1: Let's not be all negative, okay? Uh, no. And, and now I want to tell you, because I can be pretty negative because I'm a pretty militant atheist. Yeah. But many years ago, I, my, the job that I had, that I had for quite some years till I went and started my own business required that I travel to some rural parts of America. Mm-hmm. And I found myself, and this was early in my sobriety, maybe two years in, driving down a dirt road outside of Orlando to a mm-hmm. Pentecostal church at in the dark. It's like 8.30 at night. And I came into the church parking lot, and I swear this is true. Every I had this standard generic rental car. Every vehicle in the parking lot was a pickup truck with a gun rack okay yeah. and i 'm from here i 'm a lefty from D.C. Uh, I looked at this place and the Pentecostal church of whatever, and I thought, Oh man, am I coming out of here alive <laughs> and i you know, I thought I was going to hear those you know those banjos from uh what is it deliverance yeah. I thought I was going to hear that yeah. ding 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 you know, and it couldn 't have been any more different. I went in there yeah. i didn 't identify myself as an atheist, but they certainly saw that i was from somewhere else was somewhere else was somebody else that wasn't them yeah. and it was a great meeting and they couldn't have been nicer to me right yeah. and right then and there i learned something and that was they're not you know it, it this situation is more complex than it, it appears is. on the surface
0: you're absolutely right it doesn't really have so much to do with you know where where you live or anything like that let's talk a little bit about um Militant atheism, because here's here's where I'm at. I'm I'm I consider myself a hard atheist. In other words, um, y- it you can't convince me that if 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 God Himself was in my living room, I don't believe it would be God. I think it would be I'd be hallucinating. I am right. very very certain. There's no way a union would convince me. But I I'm okay with other people having other beliefs. Um, and I I don't know. You tell me what is a militant atheist? You tell me because that's how you well, describe yourself. There
1: there there are there's more that there's the militant political atheist,
0: right,
1: of the Madeline Murray O'Hare strike that goes to federal court and is constantly getting up at city council meetings and yelling at them about nativity scenes and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not one of those, okay? Okay. Um, I I am a militant person of non-belief who genuinely believes that much of the evil in the world Including that terrible event in Paris yesterday, we're reporting yes. this just in the wake of the awful awfulness in Paris, is directly related to fundamentalism.
0: All right. Yes.
1: And I believe that there are Taliban in the United States, just like there are in the boondocks of Afghanistan. It's mm-hmm. just they have a different book. All right. Mm-hmm. So I believe that much of the distress and unhappiness and, yes, evil in the world comes from organized religion. That's, yes. uh, and I absolutely know, absolutely, that there is no pie in the sky, no right. angel, little, little creature on my shoulder, and, you know, certainly, you know, no exterior force guiding my existence, my kids' or my wife's existence. That...
0: Just so I agree right. with you on all of that. I agree, you know, and we're kind of getting, and then it's okay to talk about this stuff. I, I also agree that I think religion, I think we'd be better off without religion. Absolutely. And I, if, if I said that to some members of my family or friends of mine, they, they would go crazy on me. I'm tolerant. I'm okay with people having religious beliefs, but I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I would think the world would be a much better place. Um, yeah, our, our theme
1: song I, is Imagine by John Lennon. It yeah. Just listen to Imagine and it's all right there, my man.
0: So as a militant atheist, you, 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 I mean, you feel this in your bones that this is, this is killing people. This is, this is, this is horrible. So you're more outspoken. Is that what I would say I, as a militant I'm, atheist?
1: I'm more outspoken because I think that, that much of what is wrong in the world is connected to that. And much of the progress we made in the world, remember, you know, uh, 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 Chris, it, just in my opinion, you know. Christian churches were put put Christianity in the heads of African Americans to keep them in their place. That's my mm-hmm. own personal belief.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm sure
1: a lot of African Americans will be outraged by that statement, mm-hmm. but that's a, uh, that's, that's a belief that I have. Uh, Christian churches were so constituted to keep women in their place. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, uh, Christian churches were so constituted to keep our gay and lesbian brothers and sisters in the shadows, Mm -hmm. all right? And, you know, uh, we made a lot of progress in the West getting away from some of that crazy stuff. I mean, Mm -hmm. when I first went to Ireland in 1972, birth control was illegal in that Mm -hmm. country. If they found you with a condom coming into the airport in Dublin, they would confiscate it. I mean, yep. that's in my living memory, all right? So there, there's, and, and just now, the Irish passed the most comprehensive gay rights legislation in the EU. So okay. there's been a lot of progress, right?
0: So you take this feeling, you have, you know, and, and, and I agree with all of your, so, so when you go to an AA meeting and you hear maybe even an agnostic person, maybe even an atheist person talking about spirituality, does how do you react how's that how do you feel I, about that I
1: feel well it, it it's just this is again just my opinion and please nobody mm-hmm. that's listening take anything yeah, that I'm sure. saying other than my personal opinion I feel that people use that word to escape reality use yeah. that word to escape what's really the essential problem at hand yeah. and uh, Christians use that word as a code word as a bludgeon to further their theistic agenda, all
0: right? I'm rolling around to your view. And, you know, we've had some articles recently on AA Beyond Belief about the language that we use about spirituality. And I'm getting to where you are, where I think, I think okay, I'm okay with people doing their own thing, but um, the spiritual language can confuse the newcomer and disappoint the newcomer. When, when someone is new and you tell them they have a spiritual disease, that confuses them. What the hell are you it, talking about?
1: And it, it, it confuses them when you uh, bring up this 12-step thing. And I know there's a yep. big industry and a lot of people making a lot of money uh, now writing this alternative 12 steps and all that other bullshit. Yeah.
0: Right.
1: But, you know, for me, the only thing that's ever worked that's made any sense is step one, step mm-hmm. 10, and 50% of step 12 And I totally and completely and categorically reject the rest. I do not, you know, and, you know, at my core meeting, on every Wednesday, they have a step meeting. That's the Mm -hmm. the flip part of it is. Every week, Wednesday, at my core meeting, there's a step meeting. I do not attend on Wednesdays because it would be disrespectful of me to Mm -hmm. do so and argue with those people about that part of their core belief every week. So I just- now
0: our mu- our mutual friend from D.C. Uh, who goes to our meetings here, he 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 says exactly the same thing that you say. He about those steps, and but he still goes to our step meetings and everything. Now I'm. Let me ask you this. I this is how I feel about the steps. First of all, they are suggestions. You're not going to if you don't do the steps, you're not going to be condemned to drunkenness or death. It's absolutely. A, it's not. They're not essential, in my opinion. And I will say that at any AA meeting, they're not essential, and that will drive a lot of people crazy. But for me, they are beneficial. Well, and I uh, think from, a, I, you know. I, so I that's use That's
1: a personal decision. I don't yeah. need a moral arbiter. Okay? okay. I think I can stay out of jail and pretty much on the straight and narrow without the steps. All right. Right. And I believe that most of the steps. Our coded Oxford Group Christian problem oh, yeah. designed to bring you in a close contact with a deity, and okay. I uh, yeah. it, it is uh, to me uh, superfluous and yeah. confusing and condescending for uh, an atheist, particularly an atheist member, to be subjected. To the constrictions in most of those steps. Having yeah. said that, step one saved my life, and I love Doctor Bob and Bill Wilson. How's that? Okay, that's good. I love, yeah. love Doctor Bob, but I don't love all their bullshit.
0: Yeah, and you know what, John? I might evolve from this too, uh, because the way where I'm at right now, in my life doesn't mean I'm going to be here five years from now. But right now, um, yeah, I've rewritten the steps for myself, and I do, I do like. Um, I have to interpret the steps. I can't take them as they're written. And a lot of people in our group, they've done the same thing for themselves. They, they just write them out. What do they mean to, to wow. them as an individual? Wow. But you know what? Five years from now, I might say, you know what? I don't need any of that crap. But for now, that's, that's where I am well, at.
1: Well, you know what? Um, I, I often quote my patron saint, who's going to be quoted in this article coming out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But one of my other favorite quotes from uh, Robert Zimmerman of Minnesota is uh, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. Mm -hmm. And once you're sober and in communication with your fellow alcoholics and the process of identification has taken hold and you're learning from their actual life experience and how they handle things, you Mm -hmm. don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. Mm -hmm. I learned about aging when I was 40. From, you know, my friends Tom and Maxine, who started the mm-hmm. who are now dead. I saw them going through certain things in their elder years, which are now, now that I'm almost 67, you know, it, it's dawning on me that I learned from them a lot about how to live as an older person with the limitations and the, mm-hmm. and the issues that inevitably ensue. And mm-hmm. to embrace the positive things. And I learned that in AA meetings. Watching how people behave. Not mm-hmm. what they recite. Not what
0: yep. fucking books
1: yep. they read. Yep. It's how they behave. Yep. Okay? We know people that say they're holy who are real devils. Don't we? Mm-hmm. We all do. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, signing up to some atheist agnostic apostles creed just isn't for me right Right. and uh i'll be struggling with that all the way along um because i know that i probably you know from that point of view uh it probably discomforts some of my fellow atheists and agnostics. Yeah, and,
0: and you know, John, your article—you talk about the myth of the angry atheist—and here's my theory that's a, on that. That's
1: sort of ironic, John.
0: It, it is. Okay. But here's here's my theory on that. I don't see that. I don't see you as angry, and I hear other militant atheists say things, and they're not saying it out of anger. However, I think that they say things that will cause a reaction in people uh, because they're not used to hearing it. And they, maybe they're projecting their own anger or discomfort upon the deliverer of the news? What do, what do you think?
1: Well, you know, if I said what I said today in um, Boston in 1680, mm-hmm. I would have been uh, drug out and lashed to a pole and burnt to death,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay? It's, yep. it's, it's I would have been called a warlock, I believe, they would have called it, okay? Yep. A child of Satan, okay? Um, uh, fortunately we don't, unless we're running around the backwoods of Pakistan or, uh, Afghanistan or Iraq, we don't have to worry, or Syria, we don't have to worry about that too much these days. Um, but there's some of that out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so when you're, when you're, when you're talking to me and I, cause you're okay with whatever i do with you know working the steps whatever and having but when i hear that from you and i'm okay with with you saying all that stuff but maybe some people will hear that and they say oh he, he's angry because he he rejects the the rewritten steps so he must be angry but you're not really angry you're just talking about where well, you're you're sharing your experience you're saying what you believe
1: i reject stuff that doesn't mean anything to me
0: right but that's just me Right. I, I, so if, if people construe that as being angry, I think that they, I think that they've got it wrong. I think that they're misunderstanding. You're just because we you know, when we open our meeting, we have this this uh, athe- atheist agnostic preamble where we say, um, you know, you have a right to reject spirituality. This is about, you know, and, and, and so people have to understand if someone rejects it they have that right and you and and you don't you shouldn't label that as being angry well
1: the, the by the way the only the way that we open and close our meeting is with the best piece of aa literature ever every written which is the aa preamble okay right and not one word about anything else yeah. we don't need to point any we feel i believe the sense of the group i can't speak for the group as a whole of course but it, to me, it seems that we felt over the years that, you know, you don't need to be pointed in the right direction. You just need to know that you're in a safe, accepting, welcoming place mm-hmm. with people that have experience that can be of value to you and your experience can be of value to them. Yep. We don't need directions, John.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And in fact, you know, I have, there's, <laughs> oh Lord, a week is on. Um, I hate it when people refer to, um, the steps as directions and I hear that sometimes. Well, that's what they in, are. Uh, they're a
1: big, they're a fucking yeah. list of directions. What do you think they
0: are? Well, when I was in New York, they had on the, uh, the, at this meeting I went to in New York, that, and I understand this is how the steps used to always be in AA halls. It said the 12 suggested steps. Um, at this meeting but yeah i know you don't but you know the, just from the midwest you know when i see that said that i think wow that's great you know i want i love that i wish that we had that over our steps here because people here they do think of them more as more as specific rules and directions and they they aren't well anyway enough of that um so what so what do you think what's your feeling about um the future of um you know, it seems like that we, we've been having more and more of these agnostic atheist AA meetings um, springing up all over the place. How do you feel about the future well, of I, I, that? I believe
1: in progress, but I believe that the, uh, the message of who and what we are in this movement needs to be more clearly articulated. Um, the tenor of what I saw come out of the uh, Santa Monica Convention was such that one would tend to believe that we're uh, we're a group of uh, you know uh, Buddhist, agnostic, pagan, uh, you know, uh, dreamy, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I, very confusing message. Um, right uh, now, every AA meeting and every AA gathering is open to any. Self-identified or unself-identified AA member who wants sure. to attend, who isn't drunk and disruptive. Okay, so right. you can't, you know, you don't, you can't, and you won't stop anybody from attending. But very clearly articulating who and what you are is very important, and that's not being done. And right. I feel that we need to be uh, uh, more definitive about what we say we are. Yeah, in order to get. Uh, the proper direction to move forward to the future to be what we need to be, which is a beacon of hope for desperate and despairing atheists and agnostics and other non-believers, whatever they call themselves, who can't make it in regular AA.
0: Yeah. I think we could learn a lot from the um, the gay groups and their history sure. and about how they started. Because uh, they went through some some things, and I'm not an expert on this, but I, I've been reading a book, um, the history of gay people in AA. It's a pretty interesting book, but but they were um, when they were first starting out, they had a really hard time uh, at regular at regular meetings and so forth. So they started these gay groups, and the traditional AA people they didn't want these groups listed. They they, they didn't like the gay groups, and they weren't accepted. But the but but they the 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 gay groups were were there they weren't going to go away and and gay members in AA they were very involved in service so they were answering the phones at central office Mm -hmm. they were very very they were out there and 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 you just had to accept them because they were such a huge part of the fellowship they they were coming out that's the thing and I think that's what's happening with us now is we're starting to come out in the open. And the more that we do that, I think that, that the, the more people are going to realize, hey, these people are here. They are part of us. And it's, but it's, if we're not coming out like, like the gay people did, if we're not doing that, then they're not going to know we're here. And, and if, we're, if they don't know we're here, why, why, why even bother with trying to accept us? Yeah,
1: you know, that's true.
0: That's true. And to do
1: that, um, you know, to some degree, we have to have um, a degree of consensus. And I feel that the consensus that's been forming, uh, particularly around uh, this next convention in Austin, does not represent the majority of the atheist and agnostic members in Mm -hmm. the United States. I believe that Mm -hmm. it's gone in a uh, a different direction. Mm -hmm. And um, I personally am going to be working both before, during, and after that convention to try to bring uh, to what I consider uh, it to be more more back to the center, but just like everything else in service, you're never going to get a hundred percent of what you want. There's right. going to be a group conscience, and then that's going to be that.
0: You know, I have to agree with you. Now, I I have to say, I I the the convention I went to in Santa Monica was the best AA convention I've ever been to, and it, it was a it was a real turning point in my life. But I have to agree with you that. And as much as I loved all the speakers and everything, um, there weren't any hard atheists really represented as the you know any of the well, keynote speakers There was one. Or our, like that. our
1: friend John C from Paris was. There was one.
0: Ah, oh, okay. I don't know. I'm gonna have to listen to his tape. Um, what? Can, when did he speak? Was
1: it was early in the early uh, on the? I think it was fairly early on the first day. If I'm okay.
0: Mistaken. That's it. And I missed the first day. I I came into um California a little bit late and I had yeah, a wow. horrible headache and anyway, so I missed the yeah, first. Well, I I missed he's, I missed Friday. Yeah, he's
1: a little busy in Paris today, but he may have a clip for you. you should
0: send him in. I was wondering about that. I, um he is, he's in Paris now. Oh yeah, he
1: was there last night when this thing went down.
0: God. So what's he doing? Is he just in his apartment? Yeah, he's
1: he's I guess so. Yeah, he's he's fine. I sent him a uh a text and he replied back that they were fine they they were mm-hmm. at a woody allen movie not a heavy metal rock show so they did all right it's a terrible terrible night in the city of light when you i love yeah, that that's... city and to think that these uh god-inspired creatures came out of the sewers to do that is really a, yeah. a terrible terrible it's, thing it's
0: it's un, it's unimaginable i i'm and i yeah Okay, so, uh, yeah, that's interesting, John. So, uh, our movement here, we've got agnostics, atheists, free thinkers, we've got militant atheists, yeah, oh, we've got right, me, uh, John,
1: let me stop you for a mm-hmm. minute. What in yeah. the hell is a free thinker? Nobody can tell me. <laughs> I, I've, I've been I, to graduate <laughs> school, I've been to post-grad, I've been various places, I've lived all over the world, but nobody can explain to me what a free thinker is. Please do so.
0: We have a guy who we have someone who's writing an article now about free thinking, and we're, I'm going to be interviewing someone about free thinking oh, wow. pretty soon. But yeah, I, I, here's what I think about it. I think I think most free thinkers come to the conclusion that they're atheists, but not all of them do. But I think a free thinker is just one who does not go with the traditional beliefs. So in other words, here's I was not a free thinker at one time. I came to AA, and I just I just accepted everybody else's beliefs. I didn't question, I didn't think for myself. And I think a free thinker is more likely to think for themselves and question the, the traditional beliefs and not just accept them. That's what what does thinking.
1: that mean?
0: Well, uh, I don't know. What does it <laughs> mean?
1: Okay, here's the thing about us atheists. We're always going to ask, what does it mean? Yeah. What precisely are you saying? That's not very popular in America, particularly, yeah. to say, think clearly speak clearly say what you mean and mean what you say right uh that can't be the most popular position sometimes but that's the kind of crap you'll hear from me until i croak
0: right okay Okay. so that's what we have going on in our movement we have these different and and you know they had the same thing in the gay movement there was a there was a time when um you had the lesbians were were calling for more for more rights and um, the, the gay men weren't um, necessarily recognizing the the lesbian women as equal and having the responsibilities. So anyway, it's kind of I'm not again I'm not an expert on this, but they had the same type of situation right. going on with them. So mm-hmm. yeah. you know I think that eventually we'll all we'll we'll get this all sorted out. I but, think so.
1: Uh, I, I hope I'll be around when that happens. <laughs> uh, but it's going to take probably another twenty years or so to to sort this crap out. Um, yeah. Um, But, you know, like anything else, uh, you know, there's, you know, and the other thing is, John, there's no fight like an AA fight. Okay. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, you get a bunch of alcoholics in a room, there's going to be a fight.
0: Eventually. Right? Yeah, and I'm just now experiencing that in my program. My program now. I, I do a lot of service work here in Missouri and uh, Kansas City, and we don't really fight so much around here. I mean, everything is is pretty peaceful and and, and nice. But getting involved with the um, greater, you know, international um, agnostic atheist AA movement, whatever. Um, yeah, there's people of all kinds of opinions, and and very, and they hold them very strongly, and and um, so that's new for me to have that kind of right. Uh, well, but it's exciting too. I mean, it's it's important. I mean, it, these are ideas, and uh, they need to be discussed, and they need to be discussed passionately sometimes. So well, know.
1: but there, there's ideas, and then there's the bottom line. The yeah. bottom line is there are young atheists, agnostics, non-believers. Dying out there in the bars and in the drug dens and on the streets that can't benefit from conventional AA because they walk in there, hear that stuff, turn around and walk out. And alcoholics always want to have, and addicts always want to have an excuse to continue their abuse, right? And our function is so incredibly important for the non believer. We're literally in the life and death business. I don't want to over dramatize. Yeah, no, you're right. Though, well, you're right. yeah, that's another characteristic of alcoholics. We tend to be a little over dramatic. No,
0: but here you're telling the truth. Yeah, the I'm truth. one of them.
1: Yeah, but I'm telling the absolute truth. You know, look at old fart like me with almost 29 years. Uh, unless I go completely out of my mind, it's very unlikely that I'm going to have a drink before I die. All right. Yeah. So I'm not that worried about myself. I'm very, very concerned about young people pissing useful years of life away. And here's the deal. You and I and the other old timers and the other members of our wing of the fellowship, what we're going to be able to do, if we're lucky, we're going to be able to give other human beings useful years of life back.
0: There you go. My doctors can do
1: that, but I don't know too many people other than my doctors that can really do that. Do you?
0: Uh, no, and you are absolutely right. That's that's the bottom line. And you know what? I'm seeing that here. Um, we get a lot of <clears throat> actually quite a bit of uh, young people who come to our meeting specifically because they they heard that, the, that this meeting exists. That's a secular AA meeting. They would not go to any other AA meeting. Right. Um, and they and they come to ours, and so thank goodness for that—that that we have a place where people can go and and get better. And we're growing quickly here; we're, it's it's just amazing. We're going to outgrow the room that we meet in pretty soon, right. probably. Well,
1: you, you've done incredible service out there, and I'm really—I watched the growth of your meetings there in Kansas City in awe, um, because you really have done tremendous service. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing all this stuff about like meetings in places like Alabama. Who would have ever thought yeah. that we would have, you know, meetings out yeah. in the middle of the desert somewhere out west, you know, all this yeah. stuff going on. And um, you know, I'm really heartened by that. But yeah, if, if we don't clarify our message and clearly say who and what we are, I think we're going to encounter difficulties down the road.
0: I agree. Let's let's um, talk about just real quickly, just before we end the in this conversation. Sure. I guess um, you're gonna get you're gonna go to a convention, in, I can't remember uh, in Washington. Yeah, State, I, right? I
1: saw this thing, and uh, you, actually, you said it to me. There's this link yeah. for this uh, uh, meeting in Olympia, Washington, mm-hmm. in uh, January. On the I believe it's on the 16th of January, and uh, I looked at the agenda, and it was really intelligently written and you know they really seem to have a, a handle on what they were doing and i have a, a some you know creative writing projects i'm working on and a very dear old friend of mine is a pretty well-known writer out in the seattle area and i've been meaning to go out and spend a couple of days with him with one of my manuscripts to go over some stuff and i've got another old friend there who's a musician in seattle from my college days he's He's a working musician in Seattle. And I've been meaning to go see him. So I saw this thing and I said, hell, I've got a free ticket in the can and I booked it yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I'm really.
0: Great. And I
1: communicated with a lady out there who seems very nice and I sent her an email back. And uh, 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 that's just another example of what's going on. I mean, the, they have that regional forum that you did the podcast on in, uh,
0: uh-huh. in
1: Phoenix. I don't know how that's yep. going. Are gone, yeah. but uh, then they have this this thing that's popped up in Olympia, and yeah. um who knows what else is gonna come up?
0: yep, I need you to write about that when you when you finish uh when you come back from there is right, to I'll, write write up a little piece I'll about what you, you experienced there, you, and I'm gonna have to have Jerry um write something about yeah, what I, happened. I, I, over I was Phoenix. supposed
1: to write for Roger about the international Convention, but unfortunately, I had a medical issue come uh, up, and right. I couldn't go to Atlanta, but you know this time, I think I'll actually uh, make it. To this place, and uh, yeah, it it looks really uh, interesting. I would urge anybody that uh, wants to uh, take a look at a really good AA agenda to look at that. You might want to put that uh, I will that link up on your
0: site. I need to. I will do that. Well, John, it has been wonderful. It's been really great talking to All you. Right. I'm glad that I, am glad that I got to know you and meet you. Um, you know, I don't, I don't run into very many John H's here in Kansas City. Well, well <laughs> <So there's>, uh, <laughs> you
1: know, I'm just, a, I'm just a, an old, an old white man with a lot of opinions. So I'm, the, I'm just another one of them, another talking head. Okay.
0: Yeah, okay. All right. So All we'll, right.
1: we'll talk to you soon.
0: All right. You take, take care. Job. buddy. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, that's it for another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and that we can uh, talk again real soon. Thank you.